Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Derek Urban, uh, CFO, biz dev guy over at Coinigy.com, also a co-founder. Derek, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for coming. So I started looking at um, your guys' website. I don't know if I understand it all, but it looks like a very interesting premise. Uh, can you tell listeners what Coinigy does? Yeah, so in kind of its, its broadest term, I would say it's an aggregator of exchanges. Um, and so we kind of bring every exchange around the world, um, about 60 of them right now, um, on the data side, and we organize it to a standardized platform. Um, so for the traders out there that have maybe two, three, four, or five accounts, um, they can all bring into Coinigy. We bring kind of a professional-level, enterprise-grade level platform um, with charting and analysis provided, um, and then tools, uh, portfolio monitoring. And then with that, we kind of have two subsets that kind of came out of this initial platform. Um, firstly, is kind of the, the financial data that we've collected as a byproduct. Um, and so kind of professional traders, institutional traders, uh, they can purchase data from us for backtesting or algos. Um, and then also we have kind of an, an standardized API. Um, so all the exchanges around the world have a different API, maybe different mechanics, different call requests, um, and different ways they ship it. And so we come come in and do all the footwork um, and kind of uh, standardize the API into one connection that outgoes through our servers um, and allow any, anybody to wrap it into their, their existing software for research or trading or portfolio monitoring. Um, so that's kind of the three big business units, if you will, of CoinG. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of coordination and work to uh, you know get the APIs of 60 different exchanges and boil them all down into one. That's crazy. Yeah, so it is quite a bit of standardization. Um, there's obviously issues here and there almost every day. Um, but we try to do as much <clears throat> much work as we can behind the scenes. <clears throat> Excuse me, to make sure that our our kind of end users can find a lot of added value in our service and not just aggregate exchanges and that's it. But we try to make sure everything kind of runs smoothly there. So, all right, if I use Coinigy, um I could see, for instance, the price of Bitcoin across all sixty exchanges and you know the candlesticks as well. Is that like data I could see? Yep. Yep. Uh, so you can basically see the price data, <clears throat> volume data, and then we have kind of a suite of indicators. Um, and we also kind of provide uh, blockchain data as well on all the different assets. Um, and one of the kind of the first tools we came out with was a quote unquote ARB matrix, 
which is kind of a, a tool that we built in-house to visualize arbitrage since the market itself is still pretty inefficient with its relative small size. Um, and so we built kind of a tool that allows traders to see arbitrage opportunities across all the exchanges on every single asset that we provide. You know, it would be really interesting. I don't know if you guys do this, but if I have um, accounts on uh, three different exchanges, let's say, could you have a way where I can move, um, you know, uh, let's say Bitcoin from exchange to exchange really quickly, all within one dashboard, you know, through your stuff? Is that yeah, possible? So that, right now it's not. Um, that's definitely been kind of a long-term vision of ours. Um, it's it's a bit sticky in terms of the regulatory work and then also the mechanics behind it and the security behind that. Um, because then you basically have to grant us withdrawal rights on your APIs, which a lot of people are hesitant to do so. And I think rightfully so. Um, and then also on kind of the the regulatory side, if you do have an account on the exchange and you're approved, then it wouldn't be an issue. Um, but some people have an idea, and this has kind of been our long-term vision, is that if you just sign up for Coinergy, uh, you can just deposit into Coinergy, and then we could basically start routing orders to all the exchanges without you having to go to those exchanges. Um, because right now, a big kind of point of friction is the person still has to sign up for exchange A, B, and C, and then still deposit into A, B, and C, and then, then they can finally link it to Coinergy. Um, so there's a bit of friction there that we, we do envision kind of solving in the future, but it's just a, like a big kind of investment and time investment for us. Um, but that's definitely is what we're working towards. Yeah, because I wouldn't mind signing up for multiple exchanges. And if I would, you know, let's say they're A, B, C, and if I withdrew from A and sent it to B, if I went through Coinigy, if I didn't, you know, I know it, it would be hard to withdraw from A directly to B, but if I withdrew from A to Coinigy and then Coinigy to B, I wonder if that would work and if it could be done in a real fast way. Maybe I'd have a, um, you know, a money on deposit in case a transaction got messed up or something. But that yeah. would allow me to uh, arbitrage without having to have money sit on multiple exchanges and buy and sell and then settle at the end of the night, for instance. That's definitely been kind of our, our vision. Is that, I mean, is that a possibility? How much work would it take to do that? And is that, is that on your roadmap? Yeah, it's definitely on our roadmap. Um, I would say it's probably, in terms of time, I would say probably a year, um, just due to the, the security we have to build in, because basically if anybody gains access to your account, uh, they could withdraw. Um, and so we, we do want to make sure we're doing all we can to make sure our users and their funds are safe and their information as well. Um, and then just also the regulatory legal kind of framework that might come into effect and that we might have to take on as a liability is also something we're going to make sure we can kind of iron out before we jump into that. Yeah, makes sense. So what would be really interesting is I would bet that you guys can see uh, a lot more things going on than other people because you see it into all these exchanges and the price action. Any interesting uh, correlations or lack of correlations or surprises you see in the data? Yeah. Um, so it, I would say we don't look at users, trades, and all that stuff. Um, a, we just, to date, we haven't found an interest in it. And then also, we don't we don't kind of mine it or anything that people might think we do. Um, so our business model is purely subscription side. Um, there is the idea that we could see a lot of trends in the markets, um, but our, we, we kind of stay away from that. We also mean we log volume and all that. Um, and we definitely see exchanges kind of popping up and going down. Um, and we can definitely gauge kind of the user demand for each exchange and the ones that are maybe failing right now or are not kind of addressing the concerns that users have. Um, and if anything, those trends have kind of shown themselves in the last two to three months, just with the scalability side of things with the industry as a whole. Um, yeah, we, we definitely see a lot of 
user trends in terms of all the, the capital that's flowing through the platform. Um, but it's something that we don't really take any action on. Well, I would think you might want to be a watchdog for the, um, you know, you wouldn't look at users' trades, but you could certainly profile the exchanges. Uh, do you guys have a watchdog service where you say, hey, exchange XYZ looks like it's uh, you know having some issues, uh, money's getting stuck there, you know, watch out, or this yeah. exchange is doing this. Yeah, we have a lot of those tools and kind of alerting tools for internal purposes and just making sure that all the connections to the exchanges are flowing nicely. Um, it's something that coincidentally, as you mentioned it, um, in the last, I would say, probably a month or two, it's a, it's a lot of users have been popping up just with the concerns in the industry. Um, and it's some, I, I think it's definitely something we'll add to the platform in terms of just kind of a, a simple dashboard. Is a, this is the connection we have to the exchange. B, this is the kind of the, the I guess, condition of the uh, connection and make sure it's flowing nicely and then any latency that's happening with the exchange and make sure that it's healthy, I guess, would be the best word to use and kind of display that to users. And I would guess you see uh, money or sorry, exchanges as people wake up around the world, I would guess you see trading, you know, uh, increase and move around the world as the sun moves around the world, right? Yeah. So we definitely, we can gather some pretty interesting metrics and all the kind of flow of capital around the world. Anything else you can say that you guys see? Anything that surprises you or you know makes you raise your eyebrow and say, hmm, that's weird? It's it's definitely been interesting to see kind of the, the ebb and flow of volume on exchanges that either have like downs or uh, kind of down servers or anything like that. Um, and then also scalability issues with certain exchanges. Um, we're definitely seeing kind of, we can definitely see a correlation between the user's thoughts on whether it be on the internet and just outcries um, with the corresponding volume that they're moving from exchange A to exchange B. But we also try to make sure we're pretty agnostic on the exchanges. Um, since we are kind of just an overlaying platform, we want to make sure we provide the best service to all exchanges and not only just our users as well, um, because in the end, the exchanges are our partners. Um, and so we, we definitely think about in the future that we might provide kind of a, a watchdog service for the exchanges themselves and make sure that we maybe provide reports to them and see where we see uh, user demand going as well. And you see um, volume on a particular exchange? You get that in the price data? Uh, yeah, so we give we don't give aggregate volume for the exchange. Um, it's always something you could you can just derive from our data. We give 24 hour volume on all the markets, um, and then we also kind of see internally the, the the volume on the exchange as a whole. Um, that's also something we want to provide users in the next couple of months is kind of a a ranking of volume uh, for people that are looking for liquidity, um, and just kind of provide an overview of all the the markets and exchanges themselves. Yeah, how how distributed is the trading across exchanges? Like, for instance, China. You know, how much volume do they make up? You would, you guys would truly see it. And now with China, you know, shutting various exchanges, possibly or, or likely, um, do you see volume moving around the world to other spots? Yeah, there's definitely been a, a shift, and there's also kind of the I'd say probably four or five months ago when a lot of the exchanges overseas had the kind of the zero fee system going, um, and we saw kind of a an unorganic pop in their volume just because it was you could just run bots on these things and they wouldn't get charged. So it's kind of fake volume. It'll be interesting to see in the next month where volume goes for a lot of the Asia and China specifically base exchanges. Again, the MSCs truly do shut down. There will be a shift, I think, and I think the the market will still come back and that void will be filled. Um, so we'll we'll see in the next week, two weeks, month because I think it's too early to tell still since people are still trying to a get their capital out of there b still taking advantage of the time yeah it makes sense oh do you, do you guys have uh do you do any algorithmic trading or do you offer bots that people can use uh, on their accounts 
Yeah, so right now we have kind of, the, like I said, the standardized API, um, and a ton of our users utilize that for kind of bot algo trading, um, since you can just hook something up to that and then have access to all the different exchanges through that one API. You don't have to go to each API and write it for that API specifically. Um, and then the future we want to kind of look at is within the platform, since we are provide kind of the manual tools and a suite of tools for that, um, allowing for kind of easy, I don't, I don't want to say drag and drop, but close to drag and drop kind of bot algos natively within the platform um, that you can just hook up to your, your individual accounts and you can maybe run a few on a few different exchanges and have them just kind of run passively within the uh, the platform since that's been a big kind of a user demand in the last year, I would say. Interesting. Um, can you say which, uh, which exchanges around the world are most widely used or you, you don't want to reveal any of that stuff? No, I mean, there's obviously Bitfinex is probably the, the highest volume right now. Um, and I think it, this is follows, I mean, obviously not every single person in the world trades the coin energy, but our statistical kind of flow still follows it. Um, and then you're seeing kind of the bit dumb out in South Korea pop up quite a bit. Um, but I think with the zero fees, they kind of came out ahead of the game, if you will. Um, and then obviously uh, Bitfinex and kind of GDAX are the big ones. Um, and then Poloniex, I mean, that used to be kind of the, the tailing king, but I think with a lot of their scalability concerns, um, I think they kind of fell back in the rankings as well. Okay. And so it's what's also, on your it's also it's important to take note on how they record volume um, in terms of uh, a lot of these things have thousands of markets um, and a lot of them only have one. Um, so it is a little apples and oranges there. Um, but it also has to do with how they record volume in terms of um, including fees or not including fees or any of that kind of stuff. So what's... Um... How else can users take advantage of your platform? You know, it sounds like you offer a whole lot. I probably don't even know how I would take advantage of everything, but what else have you seen people do with your data that uh, you, you think is very useful? Yeah, so a lot of the data I would say is probably demand from kind of the new institutional side of things. Um, so backtesting algorithms, uh, backtesting everything there, making sure it's, it's beating the market and not just beating the market. Um, and then we also have kind of L2 data, uh, which is order book data, going back to January 2016, um, and not just price data. Uh, that's kind of picked up, I would say, in terms of demand. Um, and then I would, it's also kind of interesting to see, we've seen kind of some academia um, demand. A, for the data, uh, so research academia that might just want to look at the flow of the financial markets um, or the blockchain data. Um, and then B, also just for the, the live streaming of data that kind of academia is getting into this and maybe even starting to teach about it um, in universities domestically and then also abroad as well. What is uh, L2 data? So L2 data, um, so L1 is the price and just how the price moves. L2 data is the order book. Um, and so basically, take we just take snapshots of it, um, basically see at this date and time, um, this is how many bids were on there, how many asks were, and at which prices. Um, and then there's quote-unquote kind of L3, um, which is basically every single order that was sent to the market or partially filled or canceled. You record all of those events um, and log them. We haven't started doing that, um, mostly just because of the infrastructure demand it would take on us and the burden it would provide. Um, but it's definitely something we're hoping to do in the near future kind of going forward. Um, but L2 data is pretty important. I'm obviously not an algo writer. Um, or algo programmer rather, um, but it's it's important for kind of the guys that want to run bots that kind of beat market or beat orders, uh, and so they can kind of see the flow of orders within the price ranges and try to beat that in the order books. 
Yeah, it's a lot of data. She's yeah, we're about, we're in um, the tens of billions now of data data points. <laughs> what about uh, for taxes? I guess it would probably be pretty useful if, if you know someone's a trader across five different exchanges and they need to get all their trade data for last year. Do they use your service and look at all the price data across all the exchanges and all in one spot they can grab it? Yep. So that's one of the big focuses for us from now until the end of the year is kind of get a full portfolio analysis uh, suite out there. And this is everything from kind of reporting of P&L. Um, so both unrealized, realized, granularity down to the trade, um, and then also different accounting for different tax structures uh, and fund reporting for uh, institutional clients that need to report uh, performance. Um, and then I would also say kind of a risk assessment in terms of your your risk spread across different exchanges, um, and even maybe diving down to the different kind of asset classes, I guess would be the right word. And so kind of token classes, different type of tokens you're holding um, and all that kind of stuff. So that's a big focus for us for the next kind of three months. Um, and it's definitely something a lot of users ex- are excited for. Yeah, I guess, it, you know, if, if uh, I was on there too, I could see, oh, I didn't know that this exchange trades this one. You know, I could uh, move stuff around and find more avenues and more markets to trade some of the tokens I'm interested in. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Sounds like a really amazing platform. So, um, yeah. what else is on your guys' roadmap for the next, uh, you know, six months or year? What else is happening? Yeah. So I would say kind of year to, or sorry, now until the end of the year, um, really just kind of ironing out, um, anything within the platform that we need to make sure are good going forward. Um, and then kind of pushing some new proprietary product. Um, so like I said, that portfolio analysis tool, we also have a, internal tool running um, that we want to look at is kind of a sentiment analysis. Uh, so since this market is a lot of sentiment and a lot of people are saying different things, and there is still kind of a need for independent research or fundamental analysis of all these projects, we're bringing kind of a, I guess it'd be a social scanner is the name we're providing for it. So kind of data mining everything from Twitter to Reddit to news articles um, and making sure we provide kind of a sentiment analysis tool, um, maybe like a kind of thing coming out of IBM Watson or one of those uh, kind of data mining tools. And then provide each user, if they're holding 500 coins, kind of a live view of the market sentiment on each of those assets. And then I would say looking maybe three to five months out, um, really kind of, I would say, polishing the platform, um, kind of getting a new UI design running out there, uh, bringing an entirely new mobile app to the space. Uh, since a lot of the exchanges don't provide mobile apps, and so we could be kind of a one-stop shop for anybody that wants to trade on the go. And then you can just link up your CoinG account and trade on different exchanges. We have one in the market right now, uh, but it's unfortunately been kind of abandoned for a little bit um, as we kind of build up the web kind of desktop platform. Uh, so we have an iOS and new Android app coming out by the end of the year. Uh, and then looking kind of into 2018, building out some of the mechanics that we touched on earlier in terms of kind of cross-exchange transfers, um, kind of building out more relationships with the exchanges and getting kind of more stable connections with them, um, bringing kind of a standardization product to the market. Um, and making sure like every ticker in the world to standardize um, and getting naming conventions out and then API standardization um, and kind of scaling out our global infrastructure there so we can make sure latency is really, really low since obviously as each connection or each middleman you kind of add to the, this process, there is some added latency, um, which is a drawback from CoinJ, I would, I would say, admittedly. Um, and then, like I said, kind of the long-term vision is our quote-unquote excuse me, meta exchange, and that we hope that one day we will take on deposits and then we can have complete 
kind of control through our users and that they could trade in our our platform and we route those orders to the exchanges and then we just hold one account on the exchanges in CoinEngine's name. So instead of having to manage currently, I think it's like 50,000 connections on some exchanges, we would just have to we just have to manage that one um, in our name, and then we would hold just a ledger in, internally for the users' accounts, um, and they could just trade on those accounts all across the exchanges. Obviously, that is a huge regulatory KYC AML kind of burden for us, um, but I would say that's kind of the, the big points. Yeah, if you guys have your own exchange, it, I, I was starting to think, what would be the price? You know, would you guys just take the average of the price for a given token all over the world? Would you decide to go lower or higher? You know, what if um, I'm in the U.S. and uh, certain exchanges don't want me, you know, like Bitfinex? How would you stop me from moving my stuff there? It sounds like pretty tough if you were to do that. Yeah, so we wouldn't be an exchange technically um, since we wouldn't actually make the transference or the trade. Um, that would still happen and occur on the exchange's books and their servers. Uh, we would just hold funds um our users in our name and then let them have complete control over it. Obviously, like you said, there would be have to be some jurisdictional kind of regulatory framework that we would have to kind of hold internally. So if we knew you were an Asian citizen and you're trying to trade on an EU exchange and that's not allowed, we would either we'd basically have to forbid it. Um, and that's something that we just have waited to date because the regulatory bodies out in the world haven't provided enough guidance, um, whether it be bad or good, or if we want to define those. Um, and so we've kind of been hesitant to move forward with that, just so we don't have any liability on our side and we make sure everything's operating smoothly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gets, it gets pretty sticky when you start talking about kind of cross-jurisdictional trades and arbitrage between a U.S. and an EU exchange. Um, but these are all things we hope we can kind of start working on. Yeah, you don't want to be accused of facilitating money moving, you know, illicit money moving across borders and all that stuff, yep. I understand. Yeah. Yep, yep. Wait. All right. Uh, last couple of questions. So how much does it cost to use your service and are there different levels and different prices and all that? Yeah. So right now we just have a, a flat fee. It's 20 bucks a month. Um, you get access to basically everything in the platform and then the financial data, if you want to purchase that, that's kind of a la carte basis. Um, and then looking in, or then we also have kind of longer payment plans. So a year is $185 for an annual plan. We provide some quarterly and semi-annual plans as well for the discounts. Um, and then we are looking at kind of an institutional tier um, by the end of the year as well. So we can provide institutional clients that use our platform with kind of a better service there. Um, but yeah, it's 20 bucks a month flat fee, no added commissions on top of the exchanges. That's great. All right. So how can listeners uh, find out more and you know get an account and start seeing all this amazing data? Yeah, so just go to coinig.com, C-O-I-N-I-G-Y, um, and then there's a simple sign-up link there, and you'll be off to the races. Okay. Well, Derek, this is really cool. Your platform sounds amazing. I'm going to get an account there and uh, see all the things I want to see, even though I don't know what they are. But, but thanks for <laughs> coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Likewise, likewise. I really enjoyed it, and hopefully uh, feel free to reach out with any questions we have, and we try to get back to customers as soon as we can. So. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to bitcoinsuperconference.com and register today as a super early bird 
to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.